0: And we can't keep it on the DL.
1: Hello and welcome back to Can't Keep It On The DL presented to you by Liv and Dre. Today we have such an incredible guest. He is the former president of Starbucks. He started with the company in 1989 and he was one of the driving forces to taking Starbucks International, starting with 28 stores and ending with 15,000 and more so he is an incredible interview and we were honored to have him on the show and we learned so incredibly much a little side note there are just three small little teeny parts of this episode that cut in and out no we do not have a studio yet yes it is on the horizon so just bear with us for that they last 30 seconds max um, but without further ado, this is the interview with Howard Bihar. And I remember months ago, she had sent me your episode on Ed Let's and she was like, there was just so much. like He talked about his six Ps and his affirmations and the things that he's done daily and how he's like created life plans with his wife and she was going into so such detail that she almost gave me the whole podcast before I even listened to it but then I gave it a listen to myself and I was like you know what this is this is definitely one of those episodes that just stand out a little bit more than the other ones like mm-hmm. you know we were even talking over breakfast we <laughs> we We joke, but we're like an old married couple where it's like, we'll have like (laughs) breakfast together and we'll like chat about our days or like something like a podcast. And when we were talking about you coming on, one of the things that really came up was the lack of competition you had with others, but the intense competition that you had with yourself to be better every single day for yourself, to compare yourself to the person you used to be. And I think that's where at least I would want to start this podcast. Like when you started, what was it that really motivated you to like be excellent as an individual and as a corporation?
2: Believing my mother thought that I couldn't. <laughs> yeah, my, my mother, when I was, you know, I mean, my mother, I, I don't think she was doing it when I was 50, but she, she would say to me, not everybody can be, you know, I would. I was always a dreamer, right? Mm-hmm. I goals in the early, day, you know, when I was in my teens or anything, I didn't think about it. But I was a dreamer. My mother and uh, and I used to say I'd like to. And my mother, said, she was she wasn't being mean. She wasn't trying to. Uh, she just she just was trying to relieve relieve me of any stress about not being something that I thought maybe I wanted to be. Like I was never an athlete, you know. Mm-hmm used to talk about that. She says, Howard, oh, not everybody can be an athlete. And not everybody can be this. And not everybody can be that. And she was just trying to, you know, I th- I think she thought she was helping me, but she was hurting me. And over time, as I grew older, I- it really used to make me mad. And I'd say, I am I can. And I will. And mm-hmm. that's, really, that, to tell you the truth, that's what drove me.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Just being able to do something that
2: That you know that that I was capable. I I was capable of.
0: And when you you have your core values and your mission statement that you always look at and refer to, when did you start creating that?
2: When I was in my mid uh, twenties. Really? Late twenties. Yeah, I was about maybe twenty-seven.
1: Oh my goodness! And what prompted you to start doing that?
2: I. Um, probably the most important mentor of my life, a guy named Jim Jensen. Mm-hmm. And I'm still friends with him today. He's, he's not that much older than I am. He's about three years older than I am, but he was a lot more exposed to the world and he was exposed to lots of things that I never even thought about. And that was just one of the things is, is uh, you know, identifying what your core values are, having a mission statement, figuring out how you want to live your life, using affirmations, uh, all of that came to being because of him and he encouraged not just me but other people to do it but i really attached to it and, yeah. and i found that it worked for me and so i just kept doing it you know i started doing affirmations like uh i look and feel good at 165 pounds and i maintain my weight for a long time that. i'm i'm a little older now so i i can forgive myself but <laughs> but uh you know, or always complete that which I began. That was an important affirmation. Um, the two that I have used my whole life, basically since then, one is I love myself unconditionally, and two is I am enough, I have enough, I do enough. I love that. And those two, yeah, those two stayed with me the whole time,
1: from the very beginning.
2: And it's probably because I needed them the most.
1: Yeah, they resonated for some reason or another.
2: They resonated. It's hard to love yourself unconditionally, it's difficult, you know.
0: Through the hard, the good, the bad, you make
2: mistakes, you evaluate yourself, you hurt somebody's feelings. Uh, you know, uh, you know, even today, you know, it's you know, sometimes I think I'm a fake, you know.
1: Why is that?
2: I, you know. I don't know. You know, I think it's a, I think there's a tendency for human beings to do it. To, I, well, I, you're looking at a guy that barely got out of high school. I had two years of community college and and I never graduated from college. And, you know, I, I, that was always an insecure spot in my brain. And over time, it went away as I started hiring all those Stanford and Harvard MBAs and they were working. Mm-hmm. For me. Yeah. yeah. But, um, you know, it's just, I think it was just part of it. I can't really tell you for sure, but but over time, I, you know, I've learned to manage it. But loving yourself unconditionally, I think, you know, it's the most difficult thing to do, and yet it's probably one of the most important things. to do.
1: Definitely that's difficult. I think that's something, too, that no matter how many external wins you have and how you may be seen by others, I think it's important to know that those things are still there and they're things that you work to just get better at time and time again and
2: work, work on your whole life. Yeah. I used to think there was this time in this place that I would be there. Yeah. You know, by being there that I, I was there and you know, something there has never been a time. I continue to work on myself. I continue to have to do counseling, have counseling. And I, you know, when I have when, issues that I need to face and, and challenges that I have. So, you know, it never is over. You just keep at it, keep at it, keep at it, and keep at it. And that's the only way. That's the only way to, to I think, to live a life because you're never going to get there. Absolutely.
0: You're always striving for something.
2: Yeah, you're always. Yeah. What's interesting, I, w- I read an article the other day by uh, Albert Brooks. Is that right? Albert? No, Brooks. <laughs> Brooks. His last name is Brooks, anyway. And it was on satisfaction.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And, um, Albert um, Brooks was an actor. This guy's something else. But anyway, he's he's a famous guy, writer, and he was. Um, I won't go into the whole story, but basically, the whole article was on satisfaction, being satisfied. It says, "You know, I've written all these books, I've given all these speeches, I've taught at Harvard, I've taught here, I've done that, and what I found is that the satisfaction lasts shorter and shorter, shorter periods of time. And it's so true, mm-hmm. you know." It's, it's kind of, what did I do for myself today? You know, mm-hmm. it's not, uh, never satisfied. And yeah. the key in life is something my mother always said to me, and I never really understood it because I didn't kind of want to be, was Howard, be satisfied. You know, and that was her her message to me when she said not everybody can be. It was be satisfied.
1: Yeah. And, and that's like, where you got to do those little daily check-ins where it's like, I did an honest, good day's work. Yeah, I like okay. moved the needle in my own life. I challenged myself. I did something that I can say I'm proud of versus like those yeah. big things. Like you said, they're fleeting moments,
2: yeah, you yeah, know, yeah.
1: where the next day you wake up and it's like, well, what's the next thing? What's the next thing I'm challenging myself to do?
2: Yeah. And, you know, I have these this board of directors that sits on my shoulders and they're yapping at me all the time. Right. You, we all have them. We just don't always recognize that we have them. that, you know, and and, you know, one is always telling me about being humble. Don't forget to be humble. Be humble. You're a humble person. That one is tell me how great I am all the time. You know, dah, 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 Howard, you're fantastic. I give a good speech. I do a nice podcast or whatever it is. People tell me that was great. And, you know, you have to watch out who you listen to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I try not to listen to that one that's always telling me how great I am. I don't. That doesn't mean I don't let it in not once in a while that I'm that I did a good job. I do, but mm-hmm. I primarily listen to the one that says, "Howard, you're okay, but it's it's don't forget where you came from."
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And sometimes it's the duality of both, right? Yeah. Like right. thinking, like I did a great job today. I did something that mattered to me and another person or a group of people, while also remembering where you came from. And I think, like you said, remembering your why and your purpose, that was one of your Ps, like remembering your purpose. What is the intention behind this? Why am I doing this? Like that's the bigger picture and not just the ego boost of, oh, I did so great on, like you said, this podcast or this interview or this speech.
0: And for you, Howard, what was your like driving purpose? Because I know with your purpose comes your passion. So what was that for you? Basically,
2: it was about people. It was about service people, you know, my mission statement goes like this every day. I want to nurture and inspire the human spirit. Uh, every day I want to nurture and inspire the h- human spirit, beginning with myself first and then for others. I've learned that you need to take care of yourself first. It's very difficult to do something for somebody else. And so most of my days is, you know, a small little tiny things. you know, I, I, I have this uh, rule with myself that if somebody contacts me, they're going to get contacted back. And so, you know, that's one way I do it. Picking up pieces of paper off the streets, another way I do it. You know, bending over and and uh, picking up a piece of garbage, particularly a Starbucks cup, if I see it. You know, and, yeah. uh, You know, and so I I try to live my life like that, is basically nurturing, inspiring the human spirit of others, which means, in essence, serving others.
0: And I know you hate praise, but I do have to give you this one. So a lot of people will say, yes, I'll give you my contact information and things like that. And I'll get back to you. And a lot of the times they won't, but you're someone that's true to your word. And I just want to say, thank you so much for that, because I reached out to you and I think I heard back from you within a day. Mm -hmm. And that's pretty amazing. So I,
2: you know, I, I, I've heard that before and I'm always so amazed that, that, by that, because I think when you make a commitment, it's a commitment. See my, my, uh, uh, my fifth P and my six P's is performance. And that's mm-hmm. part of performance. You do what you say you're going to do, when you're going to do it, as best mm-hmm. as you can. Or, or you apologize for not and say, I'll get to it when, whatever. And that's so, a big one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Performance counts in this world. Yeah. It counts, we perform. You perform for each other, right? You have responsibilities to each other. You have responsibilities to significant others in your lives. And, uh, you know, whoever it is. And, and commitment's a commitment. A commitment. Was my, yeah. my dad used to say a deal's a deal.
1: Yeah. Deal's a deal. I love that though, because even in general performance, I, I know for myself, it's, there's so much trust that you build with yourself when you can believe your own word. So when you give that word to someone else, you trust that you're going to follow through because you firstly have done it with yourself. So not just other people, but you also build that performance and working towards that within yourself before you can then give it to others.
2: Yeah, and if my primary purpose in life is to serve people, then that is part of it. So I, every night before I go to bed, I look in the mirror and say, Howard, how'd you do today? And that's it. And that's, I evaluate my day based on how I did today. And, And it's against my values, my mission statement, and my six Ps.
0: I love that. And I think for someone who's on a new venture or like starting this process, right? Like you started at 27. What would you say when you had a really rough day or you feel like you didn't show up for yourself or, you know, you're in that process? What's the best way to kind of attack that?
2: To just acknowledge it, that you you didn't do what you said you were going to do. You didn't make a commitment, but tomorrow's another day.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Oh, All right. So that's part of loving yourself unconditionally. Now you can't are not you know you can't make any excuses. You just didn't do it.
1: Yeah.
2: So there are no excuses, and you hold yourself accountable. I mean, there have been times when I beat myself up pretty badly, you know, where I was just mad at myself. And, uh, but most of the time, I don't. No.
0: Yeah. Try to love yourself as much as you can. <laughs> and. So, okay. So one question that we always want to ask on here is something that you wish you knew sooner. So for you, it could be in life, it could be your career, whatever you want, but what is one thing that you wish you knew sooner?
2: Uh, That it's really important to figure out who you are, that Mm -hmm. you don't don't need to be 50 or 20. You can do this work at 10 or 12. Mm -hmm. Things may change, but you can ask yourself, what are my core values? Okay, what are the things that drive me in my life? And identify the eight to 10 core values. And you can go online and find a list of words that represent human values. And and then you get it down to 50. And then it's hard to get it down to eight to 10. It doesn't mean that if you get it down to eight to 10, that there aren't other words that describe who you are in some way or another, but getting it down to the ones that are most important. So my first core value is honesty. That drives my life. You ask me a question, or if I do something, I'm going to be honest. I wasn't always that way. You know, Mm -hmm. I finally made up my mind that that's the only way I could live my life. And then the second one is fairness. The third one is respect for self and others. The fourth one is responsibility. The uh, fifth one is integrity. The sixth one is trust in self and others. The sixth, seventh one is caring. And the eighth one is love. And I have them on my wall right here. I have my mission statement. I haven't had it written down. I call it a picture of Howard's in, in 50 words or less. My mission statement my core values and my six P's, which is how I do everything. And, you know, that drives my life.
1: It's kind of crazy too, because I guess I wasn't expecting that answer, but it seems that you did that first. You figured out who you were first so that this mission statement and the P's and all of this, all your core values, they're so indicative of who you are and what you truly want for your life. And that it's so clear because it has lasted the stand of time from your twenties to now. And it has changed little.
2: Yeah. Shane, my mission statement has changed and I didn't used to have my six P's, but over time I, I decided that I wanted a way to live my life. You know, I wanted to be clear about it. And it, it, um, you know, it doesn't mean that I did everything every day. It's not, that's not what's important, but that I was clear about who I was and, and, you see, if you don't know who you are, how do you know where you need to go? Wanna go? So if you don't know where you're going, any path will get you there. You've heard that. Mm-hmm. You know, I believe living your life with intention. Whatever that intention is. Your intention may be to be a great skier and you want to ski every day of your life, or to be a, a golfer, or you want to golf every day. That you know, or you you, you know, you wanna be a chef or or you like to eat pizza every day. I don't care what it is. You know? Mm-hmm. Uh, just understand who you are and then you live a life, live your life accordingly. Yeah, because, you know, uh, it's so important to to take like honesty and then define what honesty means to you. And Mm -hmm. and because everybody would have a different definition of honesty. If I asked you, are you honest? Both of you probably say to me, yes, I am. But if we dig down a little deeper, then I'd ask another question. What white lie would you each tell? Mm -hmm. You know, and what little bigger lie might you tell? And so you define. Okay, where where is that spot that that's I'm not that's I don't go any other place than this one.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: I'm not perfect, but you know.
0: And it's interesting because everyone does have such a different definition of those words. Yeah. So You so have that-
2: to. Otherwise, if they're, they're ju- if they're just a word, that, then really values are about decisions and actions you take you make and take in your life, not just the word. So you have to define.
0: And so as the, you know, prior president of Starbucks, what, tell us a little bit about your experience, your favorite parts, your least favorite parts, and just when you started, because I think you started in 1989, was it?
2: Yeah, there were 28 stores. And by the time I retired, there were 15,000. Wow. I have to to tell you, it was an incredible experience. Never in my wildest dreams. When (laughs) I joined Starbucks, it was kind of, I just turned left instead of turning right. I was lucky that Howard gave me the opportunity. And, of course, luck is where opportunity meets preparation. I, I It was an opportunity that came along and identified it, and I took it. And, but I was prepared for it. And uh, not that I was prepared for everything. I'd never run anything that big before. And, uh, but, you know, it was a fast track. It was a great experience, wonderful people. We had strong values at Starbucks. And, and then I got the opportunity to take Starbucks outside of North America. I, I can't tell you I was qualified to be a president of an international business, but I, I became qualified. In, and, and it was I met so many wonderful people and uh, opened stores in about 30 or 40. I can't even remember how many countries. Wow. And, uh, you know, and I came away from that experience saying, you know, I, I always believed it in my heart that we're all the same. <clears throat> you know, we have different color skins. We eat different food. We have different cultures we come from. Different religions, but at the end of the day, we all want to love and be loved. We all want to be treated with respect and dignity. We all want to grow as human beings. You know, the basic things are true for all of us, and uh, you know, the rest is just stuff, you mm-hmm. know. So, that was that was an incredible experience. I mean, changed my life.
1: How did you go? How did you adapt to that? Because, like you said, I think that you were in a position that maybe a lot of us have seen ourselves in just in a different scale, maybe where, you know, you want to do this big next venture, but it's something you've never done. It's something you've never even dipped your toes into. So how did you go from like having the company in just North America to then branching out, like you said, into 30, 40 plus countries in your time alone? How did you grow into that role? I guess.
2: Well, I I believed that I could do it. Number one, I had the confidence. I knew Starbucks, and I'm uh, I wasn't a good student, so to speak, but I was a good learner. Mm-hmm. I was inquisitive, and I was curious, and I loved people, and that's come across, you know. People, fortunately, my personality is such I usually always have a smile on my face, and I always treated people with respect and dignity. And so, when you do that, people open up to you, and they're willing. to. If, if you say, tell me about this, or what do you think about this? If you, if you have to have all the answers, you're not going to be able to do it. Mm -hmm. You need all, have to start with all, you know, but if you know that you're going to learn along the way and you learn from others and you're willing to ask questions and you're willing to ask for help, it's amazing what you can accomplish. And so I just, that's all I did. I recruited a great team. I went from one day having plus or minus 10,000 people directly or indirectly reporting to me to the next day, zero when I started Starbucks International even didn't have it my administrative assistant had to start all over and i had to recruit people with inside of starbucks and interestingly enough people were afraid they were going to get paid by starbucks but they were still afraid and and um and so i recruited a team and and we we figured out how to do it we did a put together a business plan and we went for it
1: wow it's interesting too because it's like it's like you have like your things it's like you had You were believing in yourself. You could do it. Inquisitive. You really like people. And then you also have the right people for the job. It's insane to think that you can go from all these people under you and hire infrastructure to scratch all over again in the same company.
2: Yeah. And I had to do that. I begged, borrowed, and stole from... From all the other divisions in the company, you know, and I asked for help, and they, when you go and ask for help, even though they got another job they're doing, they stepped up, and uh, and and you know, it was amazing how we made it work, but we did, and it was a wonderful group of people, and and uh, you know, it's uh, uh, it was just it was a uh, just a humbling and an energizing experience,
0: and I think it shows like a and really people-centric Yeah, I think was we're the we're foundation sure. for building.
2: Because no matter where I went, I loved people. I didn't care that they're where they were from, what language they spoke. I'd figure out a way to communicate.
0: Yes, which is so important. And a lot of people don't do that. And I think you built that foundation for Starbucks to be like whoever you're bringing in, they're going to love people too. And you kind of feel that when you walk into Starbucks, nine times out of 10, I would say. So it's it's pretty impressive, but it must be wild. Even though you built so many of these, to now look around and see how Starbucks is like in every corner, yeah. it's incredible.
2: Yeah, well, you do see that they're having <laughs> issues right now, you know, and some people aren't happy, and you know, and it's sad. It's sad for me, actually, you know. Mm-hmm. It's um, it's, you know, we'll see how it all turns out, and I suppose it'll turn out the way it's going to turn out, and. And you do your best by people, but sometimes it's not enough. And you make Mm -hmm. mistakes. And Mm -hmm. sometimes, you know, you you get held accountable for the mistakes you made. And, Mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, one of the issues is that Starbucks, you know, that 80% of the baristas that were there last year are new this year. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we gave everybody health care benefits, stock options, get a college degree, all sorts of things. But the ones that people, young people that come in today, that's already there. Right? They already gave me that. Now, what did you? What are you going to do for me today? You know? Mm-hmm. And they see, they see, Many people see all the things that are wrong, and and don't see the things that are right. You know, it's like in a human relationship. You know, we get married. All of a sudden, instead of focusing on why we got married to this person, we forget those things and we start to see everything that's wrong. You know, mm-hmm. I leave the toilet seat that socks on the floor. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, doesn't put his dishes in the dishwasher. She she, she comes home later, whatever it is. You know, and mm-hmm. remembering why you married that person, you know why you went there, why you got together in the first place. You know, you you start to find things are wrong, and then what happens is the relationship starts to fracture.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And that's kind of a little bit probably what happened in some stores at Starbucks. Something happened. Maybe a district manager wasn't so good, or or maybe a store manager, a few weren't so good, or or whatever it is, or the company made some mistakes on something and the relationship starts to fracture.
1: Yeah, and it just takes one person. Like I think in our own lives, it's habit, right? Like we can look to see the beauty in things, we can be grateful and have gratitude towards things. Or like you said, even in our personal relationships, we can begin to take those people for granted and we stop focusing on all the things that we love about them. And we start nitpicking over the little things that really don't matter, but we make little things, big things. And I think that that can happen so easily in a corporation, in a company, in a small business, in just about anything. In life.
2: In a family. Exactly the same thing in a family, right? Yeah. And, and so, you know, you're married and all of a sudden it's not going so well, so you go hire a lawyer instead of sitting down and saying, here's what I believe, here's the kind of help, I. here's what I think we should do. Here's I think we should solve this problem. And it just
1: takes one person, too. I think that's what's so crazy. Even if it's a a friendship, a relationship, a business, if, you know, you just kind of took a minute and sat back and said, where can I improve? Where have I not been grateful? How can I change my attitude? How can I change my perspective or my approach to something? If you came in with new energy, then that kind of changes everything for everyone around you, especially Mm -hmm. if you are working in a corporation, especially if we are talking about a relationship. If you come in with a new appreciative, positive energy, that carries. And I think that's actually why she liked your episode so much, because you naturally had that energy about you. You enjoyed the people. You Mm -hmm. enjoyed what you were doing. You were grateful of the opportunities while still remaining humble.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And that's seriously important because I feel like a a lot of people lack that. So it's so refreshing to hear that. And speaking of love and marriage and relationships, how did you and your wife meet? One date. No. really?
2: I was 20 days out of a marriage, believe it or not. I and the guy that was so good at teaching me all the things I talked about before, he wanted he he was going out on a date. He wanted me to go with him, right? And I didn't want to go. I, I was not interested. I, mm-hmm. I I had a little I had a daughter that was about a year and a half old and it was hard for me to leave, but the marriage wasn't right and mm-hmm. one of us and so you know and he kept saying insisting, insisting. I said, I don't want to go. I'm not ready to date. You know, I've only been I've I moved out of that, I just moved out. I I can't go on a date. And he kept pushing me, finally, okay. I I you know, you no. insisted went out of the date and and uh and he kept doing the same thing to my, to Lynn, my wife, right? He wants to meet you. He wants to meet you. It was the biggest lie in the world. <laughs> <laughs> not interested in meeting her. And she wasn't really interested in meeting me. And, but we both went and, and the journey started. And, uh, you know, I think we were lucky uh, that, that it worked out because, you know, I would not tell anybody to do that because you bet you should be sitting down and asking yourself what kind of person you want to be with. And, I didn't really, I didn't take that time to do that, you know, before I started dating again. and and but um, but you know, we were both had been married before, and it, it wasn't, you know it wasn't a straight up you know journey that everything was perfect. it wasn't. But you know, we, we grew to love each other and we we, uh, uh, we grew as individuals and we helped each other. and when we had a problem, we solved it. And we, if we couldn't solve it together, we went and got help mm-hmm. And we've done that our whole lives. And, you know, it, there were some pretty significant trials and tribulations along the way, like there isn't any marriage, but, but, you know, we've been married 45 years now and, and she's my best friend. And I, people say that but she really is. Yeah. <laughs> and, and we love each other dearly. We have six great, we have six grandchildren and and uh, you know we've always, we've always done planning together. We just completed a new, uh, five-year plan. Which at my age, I started to get pretty optimistic. A five-year plan. Yeah. Uh, but we do that because we want to know where we're going together. And we spend a lot of time together now. But we're both active. We're both, uh, you know, we both want to be productive. Lynn was an oncology social worker, and she wrote the, with two other social workers wrote the leading textbook for oncology social workers in the country. It's about that thick and about that big, you know, it sells for a hundred bucks, you know, at Oxford Press, you know, and she, she's an incredible person in the things that she does. She, you know, she basically was dealing with people that were dying of cancer in their families. You know, that's hard to do. I couldn't do it like she did. And, and, uh, and, but we were both people centric. Mm -hmm. She can still piss me off. And I can still piss her off, trust me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so it doesn't go away is what you're saying? It does not go away. It does not go away.
0: Oh, that's a cool story, though, the fact that both of you really weren't interested in going on. But if you didn't, you guys would never met.
2: But, yeah, we, we, I had never met her, and we would have never had this life. And, and to tell you the truth, she, Lynn, always encouraged me we met before I joined Starbucks and I was looking for a business to buy. And she was supportive of every decision I made along the way, everyone. She never said to me, Howard, you can't do that. Or, you know, and I was traveling all the time. We had, that's why we did one of the reasons why we did planning sessions once a year. We had to deal with each other's desires and each other's work life. She had a career too. And, uh, and she wanted to get a, uh, get a master's and a PhD. So that meant she wasn't going to be working when she was doing that. We had to figure out how to support it. And so that, fell on me. And 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 on the other hand, you know, I was traveling all the time. We each had a child that we brought into the marriage. We had to figure out how we were going to deal with those things. And mm-hmm. she was there when I was traveling. So, and she dealt with that and never, never said you have to be home.
0: I love that. And Liv and I were actually just talking about this today. We were saying how in a relationship you have to have respect for the person innately. And yes. I feel like you also if they were never your significant other, you would choose them as a friend. Yeah. And I think that's super important.
2: Yeah, exactly. I
1: mm. love that. So when did you and your wife start doing the planning? Was it was it really way back then? Because yeah, you had, had such right a right
2: Yes, we As soon as we got married. Wow. Oh, my God. So
1: what does that look like? What is uh, Let mean? me tell you,
2: Lynn lives in the moment. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Right? She's a live in the moment person because she oh, dealing yeah. with people who are dying of cancer. They don't have out here. I'm a, I'm a planner. I have I always, you know, had used to be dreams. Now they're goals and ambitions and things that I want to do or accomplish, whatever it happens to be. So that was a conflict in and of itself. And I had to convince her this would be worthwhile. And um, she pushed back a little bit. I think she got used to it and it was became part of our drive. And we, we'd have, you know, we have all our all the things, headings, spirituality, material, family. Uh, economic, um, uh, personal growth, uh, uh, um, health and wellness, travel, different of things. We, we, we'd set, we'd go in our own corners and we'd set goals under each one of those. Some were just for ourselves, like our own personal growth or our career. And then we'd, we'd come back and present to each other and then we would meld the two plans.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, and that's how we did it and we had conflicts in there but we saw most of those conflicts in that time in yeah. those sessions and, and, and made a difference
0: and do you think before you guys did this when you looked out into the world individually and together you guys saw the same vision at the end of the day
2: uh, did we? no I don't think so
0: Okay.
2: No, I uh, when, when um, you know I had some very specific economic goals you know, my life wasn't about making money, so to speak, that was down the list, but I had specific economicals. I wanted to make my age by the time I was 30, which was at that time, a lot of pretty decent money. That was, you know, uh, uh, 40, 47 years ago, you know, and, um, uh, you know, and I wanted to be able to retire when I was 50, that meant I had to earn and save money. Well, Lynn never thought about it. That was not how she was raised. You know, it's kind of how I was raised. and. And, um, but on the other hand, she had educational goals. She wanted to learn and, and grow all the time. And that drove me to set, you know, personal growth goals. And, and so it was a combination of the two, helping each other along the way, learning from each other as we went. Uh, we had a goal for what kind of home we wanted to live in. We actually had that as a category under the under material what kind of home we wanted to live in, what we wanted in that home, what kind of music we wanted to play, what we, what, how we wanted the home to look. How many, even how many bedrooms we want. And we both like contemporary, you know, and and how we were gonna do that. We had travel goals where we wanted to travel. We had goals for what we wanted to introduce our kids to. We wanted our kids to be citizens of the world. So when they were young, when they were ten and six, we took them on a trip to Europe. It changed their lives, right? It changed our lives too. And um and so we had, all those things came out of those planning sessions. Yeah, and, uh, and it's, they still do. So we've said, you know, now we're, uh, you know, we're we're, in, we're not in accumulation phase anymore. We give stuff away. We're in the giving away phase, you know. So we've written down, we always had what kind of charities and things we wanted to do. But now that's more important to us and how we want to support our grandkids and our kids. All those things are, are in the plan.
1: These planning sessions that you got, yeah. how did you act accountable?
2: how did we hold ourselves accountable
1: yeah what was our job wasn't to hold the
2: other person accountable right I, our job was to look at what we'd committed to and hold ourselves accountable and mm-hmm. uh, you know we didn't get in front of each other and say you didn't do this you didn't do that never ever mm-hmm. right and um and but we would we'd hold ourselves accountable we look at it and we you know we didn't it wasn't like we every day we looked at that plan we didn't we would do a plan, we would type it out, we'd have it, we'd have it in front of ourselves every once in a while we'd look at it and it was amazing once you start to do that, once you start to create a pathway for yourself, you don't have to look at it all the time, your subconscious takes over
0: mm-hmm.
2: and starts driving you towards it and uh, let's see, where's my, Hold on one sec. Yeah, here's the file right here. And uh, we've written down all the things. So, um, one of the things we want to do is a documentary project. That's for us. Both of us have written books, and I've written two books, but, but we thought we need to do a, a documentary of our lives together and what we've learned along the way. That's awesome.
1: Wow how are you going to
2: do that we're going to have we're going to have somebody uh just like you're doing a podcast. we're going to do like a podcast have somebody interview us about our lives yeah yeah uh, you know we have we have headings under why well, there's a heading friends what what we're going to do with friends uh, uh both friends for for a couple of friends and individual friends travel uh One two to four week trip a year, two to three one week trips a year, uh, two to four three week trips, three day trips a year, and then kind of some things that we want where we want to go. Um, uh, personal growth, how much we want to read, what kind of books we want to read. We have two dogs, what we want to do with the dogs. Um, you know, we want to do trips with, with the dogs. Family, take, take. Kids uh, for a two week trip again, which we've done. We took them to Africa. Uh, uh, We have this deal when our kids, grandkids turn 13, we take them on a trip. So we just finished number four. He's 16. He couldn't make up his mind for three years where he wanted to go. Finally, it was Mexico. We took him to Mexico. So we have more to do it. Um, uh, Economic goals. Uh, You know, um, Anyway, all those things are there.
0: And I think it all goes back to your thing of like you it down and then you perform yourself at the end of the day and you look back and say accomplish what I was going to
2: accomplish. Yeah. Amazing. You don't, I don't get, you don't get everything done, but it's amazing what you do.
0: Mm-hmm. And the subconscious starts playing in the background and it starts
2: working. Yeah, that's what happens. Your subconscious takes over; it starts to drive you towards it. Yeah, I mean, the plan—unless the plan aligns with your values—it's not going to happen. You, 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 have to start with who you are first. What, what's your mission statement in life? What are your, what are your values, and you know how you want to live your life? I mean, those things can't be in conflict. You can't have a plan. You can't be, you know, if you say honesty, then you have to be honest in this plan, and um, you know. It, if you say responsibility, then part of your plan is being responsible, and mm-hmm. so they have. To all, it has to all fit together. You can't have. You can't. You know. You can't. If if you're gonna say you want to give your wealth away, then you can't be greedy. Mm-hmm. It's and
0: I, a line. And I think one of the last things I want to end with with you. I this like stuck out to me at the last podcast with you, and you were talking about how. It what it when to do this and everyone chases happiness, but you were like about the happiness All the little life and I just kind of want you to talk about that.
2: Yeah, Well, happiness is a part of life. Absolutely. There are times when we're happy And times we're not but really don't we want to have a fulfilling life? A fulfilling life is one that has times of happiness times of sadness times of disappointment times of joy Times of accomplishment, times of failure, uh, experience uh, uh, problems, uh, you know, disappointment, whatever it is, you want the whole McGilla. You want to, you want everything. You want to experience all parts of life because that makes you a whole person. You know, it, it's none of us want to experience uh, a death of somebody that's close to us, but that's also part of life, and you have to learn to deal with that too. And so that's to me what you really want is a fulfilling life. And, and as my mom said, be satisfied.
0: Be satisfied. I love it. Well, Howard, thank you so much for coming on. We appreciate you.
2: Before we end, I want yeah. to give your audience my cell phone number and my email address. you got to my have it. My cell phone number is 206-972-7776. That's 206-972-7776. And my email address is HB. At howardbihar.com you
0: are incredible we appreciate it so much thank and i'm sure you're going to get some people reaching out to you
2: <laughs> thank you very much for having me i appreciate it
0: have you heard because we did and we can't keep it on the DL.